It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today we're in for a treat because one of the most creative ways that you can do real estate is by raising money from other people, but you got to do it legally. And I'm here today with Jillian Sidoti, who's our personal securities attorney. She's done two for us so far. And with that said, Jillian, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the, tell the listeners how you got into real estate and uh, SEC attorney. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me today, Adam. Um, I, you know, I started off very similar to probably the way a lot of you started off. I was very dissatisfied with life and knew that there had to be a better way to make money and a better way to, to manage my life in general. I had started a business on a credit card and quickly realized that's not how you start a business. At that time, I was sick of being poor and decided to go back to law school. I had previously dropped out. But all the while that I was in law school, I just knew I didn't really want to be a lawyer. Uh, I didn't particularly care for other lawyers. Um, didn't like being in courtrooms. Didn't like the the fact that you had to work, 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 trade your time for money and uh, knew that there had to be a better way. So I actually started off doing condo conversions down in San Diego before the last downturn. And that was very lucrative, but we ran out of money and we started looking for other people's money to finance some of our deals. And I quickly realized that there is a whole body of law that you have to follow in raising money for your own deals. So I'm sure a lot of you hear about these securities laws and go, oh my God, I had no idea this existed. I didn't know I was supposed to do this. You know, here I was just graduating law school and I had no idea that that's what I was supposed to do. And, and you can only imagine how I felt taking the bar exam and not realizing that I was breaking all kinds of securities laws all along the way. So after uh, the market fell, it was just a natural transition for me to go from developer to securities attorney because I had been doing it for my own company. Well, it was a, another company as a development company and and it was just a natural transition to switch from doing it for myself to doing it for others and so i've been doing that since about 2006 2007 and here we are today awesome so it's been about 12 years yeah exactly okay all right so since 2006 or 7 awesome that's about <laughs> the time i started getting into real estate myself um i Anyway, this is this is great stuff. I like it all. We have a lot to cover, Jillian. I know. Uh, first <laughs> off, uh, the company you work for is Trowbridge and Sedoti. So you two are two of the most well-known securities attorneys in the country. Uh, so I like that you guys have partnered up. But your your website, and I'll put this in the show notes for everybody. I think they should go there uh, as soon as they can and and uh, and check this out. It's it's crowdfundinglawyers.com. That'll be in the show notes. But let's talk a little bit about, you said there came a time where you were having, you know, you ran out of money when you're doing condo conversions. You wanted to raise funds. You were doing it wrong. You learned it. You did it on your own for a little while. And then you found out what you're supposed to do. Then when the market crashed, you started doing it for other people. 
And then we get into um, these days, you're working with Kevin Amolsch, who's a local to here in Colorado. He's probably raised millions and millions of dollars for Pine Financial, one of the most famous uh, hard money lending companies in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You've, you've worked with Anthony Chara, yeah. uh, who's been at some of my meetup groups. He's a phenomenal apartment investor. Kathy Fedke from California. I met her at the Best Ever Conference. She's awesome. She is. Brad Sumrock, who just yeah. recently came on the podcast and is coming out to, um, to our meetup group in June 5th. June 5th. Brad Sumrock's awesome. He owns thousands of doors. So Jillian works with Brad. Also, Allison Kirschbaum. I should have uh, planned this ahead of time, but she's been on two episodes. I think it's nine and 10. I think it's episodes nine and 10. Go check it out. She does self-storage and all sorts of creative real estate deals. And then somebody named Scott Myers, who also does self-storage. Uh, tell us about Scott Myers. I haven't, uh, I haven't spent as much time knowing who he is. Sure. Scott is, uh, has a self-storage uh, university and they do all self-storage throughout the country. And he had, uh, you know, his story is pretty well known in the sense that he was doing other deals where he was dealing with tenants and toilets and decided he didn't want to do that anymore and moved into the self-storage market. And, you know, we're probably at the top of the market right now, as we all know, and and we're going to see something happen when it happens. No one really has that crystal ball, but we can imagine that something will happen relatively soon. We're seeing Fannie Mae and uh, Freddie Mac kind of loosen up on those requirements for underwriting uh, for home ownership. We're seeing prices at you know back to levels that they were in 2006, seven, and uh, 2005. So, so what what's the bottom line? So, I think. If we look at it, we saw that the top of the market was coming around 2004, 2005, but we didn't see a massive crash till 2008. So what this tells us is if we look at right now as the top of the market, 2018, we are probably looking at like a major crash in probably 2022, if I was going to guess, based on the last uh, downturn. Uh, I don't know if I'm right about that. Uh, I've heard some other experts say 2024, but why am I bringing this up with Scott Myers? Because we also see a proliferation of self-storage units when the market starts to go down. People have to downsize. They put their stuff in self-storage, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why we're seeing that now. It's almost like people are preparing for that next downturn. Okay. That, there's a lot of info. I'm typing away. I'm sure you can hear it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Scott Myers, awesome. And then Dell Walmsley, um, yeah. actually with Lifestyles Unlimited. I've, I've been to one of his events and there was literally like 5,000 people. So I, <laughs> wow. I mean, literally, I mean, it was the biggest uh, apartment investing thing I'd ever seen. Uh, but when I went there, there was tons and tons of people, a bunch of leads, like what, we're, what, what my company does. Uh, we call, they call it leads. I just call it a sponsor. And then there was passives. So you said to me right before we were getting started that you kind of do uh, the, the work for all of their deals. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's mostly Gene and our associate Jonathan. Jonathan was actually just in uh, Texas this last this past weekend for a lifestyles event and speaking at that. And yeah, it, it, we, they, they have a very cookie cutter approach in the sense that 
they know what works and they know what will be fruitful for all of their members in the, both the leads and the and the passives and so they they stick to that model uh, and it's it's proved to be very profitable for them oh great all right so let's see where are we gonna go now I want to talk about if you're okay to move into this uh, now that we everybody knows how credible you are all right so let's talk about <laughs> reg a reg CF reg D's um, and how there's no reg B at all <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what these are and how people can legally raise money. Uh, would that sure. be all right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to start backwards, actually. I'm okay. going to start with Regulation D. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, because Regulation D is probably the most popular type of offering. And, and that's when, when you hear about people raising private money, nine times out of ten, they're raising private money through Reg D. And if you kind of look at this as, as an org chart of sorts, we start with the top with the uh, Securities Act of 1933. It's what I call the Mac Daddy of securities laws because it's, it is the law of the land. It, it's been around since the New Deal. It was part of the New Deal and it's evolved since. Everything you hear about raising money on a federal level comes from the Securities Act of 1933. And under that, we have Regulation D. And what Regulation D really is, is an exemption from registration, which means you don't have to get permission from the Securities Exchange Commission or from state securities boards to use it, but you have to use it properly. So Securities Act of 1933, under that Regulation D, under that we have rules. And the rule we'll focus on is Rule 506. And then under that, <laughs> we have subsection B as in boy and subsection C as in Charlie. So they're typically referred to as rule 506B and rule 506C. So again, think about your tree and that's how the law works. And a lot of times people get very confused because they hear regulation D, rule 506B. And I often hear people tell me they're going to do a rule 506D because they mix it all up and it's easy to, I get it. So, uh, so there's two, two elements that you really want to look at if you're raising private money. B and C, 506B, 506C. 506B allows you to raise as much money as you want from up to 35 sophisticated investors, unlimited accredited investors, and so long as you don't use any means of general solicitation, which basically means advertising. Whereas C allows you to advertise, but in doing the advertising, once you go to take money from investors, you can only take money from those investors who are considered accredited. Okay. Okay. Let me see. Uh, 35 unaccredited for the B mm -hmm. and for the C, everybody has to be accredited. Correct. Why don't you tell us what is the difference between accredited and unaccredited? So, and then we'll move on. Sure. Absolutely. So there's really three different types of investors in the eyes of the law. There's accredited investors. Those are our highest and best investors, not just because the they have the most money but also because the law doesn't protect them as much as the other types of investors so accredited investors are those investors who make at least two hundred thousand dollars a year as an individual make three hundred thousand dollars a year as a married couple or have a net worth of a million dollars exclusive of the primary residence they don't have to meet all of those just one of those and they're considered accredited so that's an accredited investor 
a sophisticated investor is somebody who might not have the same financial means as an accredited investor, but understands the risks associated with investing. So probably somebody who's been going to RIA club meetings or been listening to your podcast could be considered somewhat sophisticated because they've spent the time to have extra education regarding real estate and real estate investments. And then we have your unaccredited investors, and that's basically everybody else. The sad part about it is, is 97% of the population is not accredited. So they're either sophisticated and or unaccredited. Only 3% of our, the population is actually accredited. And then, okay. yeah, so, so, you know, it's, it's not the easiest uh, investor to, to grab onto. Uh, so of that 97%, a small percentage of that is then considered sophisticated. And, and that's a hard thing to um, get numbers or statistics on because we don't know how people are educating themselves. It's a subjective test. It is not objective. And that's, that's uh, so, so those are the people we want to be looking for, though. If we're going to be going into that unaccredited population, that 97%, we want to be sure that those investors are sophisticated because uh, you don't want to be dealing with somebody who just doesn't know what the heck is going on. Okay. You know what? I've heard a lot of other podcasts when they're talking about accredited and mm -hmm. they generally um, only talk about accredited and non-accredited. So you kind of touched upon there really being three different uh, mm -hmm. areas and the sophisticated is one that gets talked about a lot less. So can we just kind of, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit more about that. So how does the SEC know if somebody's a sophisticated or just an unaccredited, excuse me, sophisticated or just an unaccredited investor? Okay, so it's not so much what the SEC knows, it's what you know. And so okay. what you want to be doing with your investors is providing them an investor qualification form. And it depends on your investment opportunity, how you're carrying it out, how, when and where and how you provide them with that investor qualification form. So the investor qualification form is going to ask a couple questions. It's going to ask them questions about being accredited. And then if it's going to say, if you're not accredited, tell us your experience. And we might ask them, what classes have you taken? What other investments have you done? What educational background do you have? It's, it's kind of easy to say somebody who is a professional, such as a doctor, lawyer, et cetera, or has higher education, probably is a little more sophisticated than somebody with their GED on its face. It's a subjective test. There aren't any points or things to check off. You have to subjectively and somewhat objectively look at this investor qualification form and determine, is this person sufficiently sophisticated for this deal? And, uh, and, and why I say it's subjective and objective is because the subjective part is that there is no test so you just have to be able to justify your position as to why somebody is an okay. a sophisticated investor. Why I'm saying you have to be objective is because don't get blinded by their green money. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, their flash of green uh, just because it's, it's easy. You really want to make sure that your investors are sufficiently sophisticated enough to, to invest in your deal. I, I can't say this enough because taking in a bad investor can ruin it for everyone. And, and mm. we don't want to do that. So if your investors, uh, another clue would be, are, is this investor asking stupid questions? And I mean, truly stupid questions, not looking for clarification or things but like that, but things like, is it guaranteed? 
if somebody asks you if it's guaranteed, I want you to run away as fast as you can. And, and I will tell you from my own experience in, in raising money, I had a, one of my best friends who wanted to invest in a deal and I brought her the deal and, uh, and she said to me, is it guaranteed? And I literally did not take her money even though she's my best friend uh, and I could completely justify taking her money, I stopped the conversation right there and said, if you are asking me questions like that, you're clearly not sophisticated enough to invest in this particular situation. Okay. I, I like that. Appreciate that. I'm trying to get all the notes down. Uh, <laughs> I know. I lot, talk fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. This is, this is really great. I appreciate it. So, um, so now that we kind of understand what is uh, unaccredited, sophisticated, and accredited, I'll, I have one more question and then we'll move back into Reg D, C, B, A, all this random stuff. <laughs> so the question is, um, if will, will we get in trouble if we're raising money from unaccredited, non-sophisticated investors? Uh, it's not that you'll get in trouble. You know, it's all a matter of degrees in, in getting caught or having a problem you a level-headed unaccredited not so sophisticated investor is better than an outraged you know litigious accredited investor any day so you know again that's why i say you have to use both a subjective and objective mindset when when analyzing an unaccredited investor as to whether they're or not they're suitable for the deal got it Thank you. All right. So we talked about Reg D, 506B, and 506C. Right. What other ways are there to raise funds? So if you want to look at some of the other ways, we talked about Regulation CF, and then we also talked about Regulation A. And Regulation CF is, along with Rule 506C, um, and regulation A, what you might have heard of as regulation A plus, um, have all been born out of the 2012 Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act, which is the crowdfunding law. Okay. And so that was passed in 2012. And then from 2012 to 2016, the SEC ruled out, rolled out rules that applied to that law so that we could raise money in more ways. And okay. one of those ways is regulation CF and regulation okay. CF allows, um, companies to raise money on what is called a registered crowdfunding portal. So these are portals that are registered with the, with FINRA, um, and, and they're allowed to raise up to a million seventy thousand dollars on these crowdfunding portals. The, the reason why it's a million seventy thousand is so mm -hmm. that you can cover your legal fees, your startup fees, your, your audit fees, all of those things to get listed on the portal and as well to pay some of the commissions you're gonna have to pay the portal in order to raise this capital. Cause that's how, the, that's how most of these portals make money is by doing a commission kind of structure. So it sounds like the the fees that somebody might have to pay to do this would be around the seventy thousand dollars or up to it. Um. Yeah, well, not not for. The, I'm talking like an all inclusive price. They kind of mm -hmm. just gave some leverage there with uh for for entrepreneurs so that they had enough cushion to raise the capital and still come out with about net a million dollars. Yeah, a lot of the platforms charge about 5%, and then the other $20,000 or so would be to cover your legal fees and your audit costs for that 
for that listing. The other, um, the other part of it though to, to really think about is number one, it's only a million dollars. Number two, you can only do it on one of these registered crowdfunding platforms. Number three, you have to find a registered crowdfunding platform that's going to take your deal. And number four, uh, you can only raise up to $10,000 or 10% of somebody's net worth and no more than that, which is a real pain in the butt uh, because who wants to only take $10,000 from an investor? I think we all want a little more from our investors than 10 grand. So that's why I don't love, I re love Reg CF for certain types of companies, especially, you know, riskier startups, film, things like that. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. On number four, you said only up to 10K or 10%. Does that mean if 10% is a million dollars, you can go to a million or you could still only go to 10K, whichever's lower? It's whichever's lower. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. So, um, so CF might be good for some people, but since it's limited, slightly expensive, it might, uh, you might want to look at something else, right? Right. And the other okay. thing is too, that most of these crowdfunding platforms are not going to allow you to do a, a fund of any sort. So you'd have to come with a specific mm. property and, and do that whole thing. So, okay. Yeah. Great. And what's the definition between, uh, you know, doing just a specific property and what you call a fund? What's well, the, the fund would be a blind pool where you don't know what the property is, but you know you're going to do something. Okay. Um, and most of them are probably going to shy away from that because mm -hmm. a lot of these crowdfunding portals that are registered crowdfunding portals want to see an actual real business and business plan and they want they want something sexy too and a lot of them don't believe that real estate is sexy although we okay. all know differently you know yeah, it absolutely is and let me ask you so can I just make my own crowdfunding portal so that I don't have to you know worry about somebody else's stuff and I can still do a fund okay so under reg CF no under mm. under 506 C as a matter of fact the reg CF portals can't have a real interest in uh, the issuers okay, that they're okay. raising money for. So that's actually one of the rules. So cool. you could start a portal for yourself and then raise money on that portal under 506C or under Regulation A. Okay. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So talk, talk to us a little bit about um, under Reg A Plus uh, that they kind of started with the 2012 Jumpstart Our Business Act. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what Reg A Plus will allow you to do. Sure. So Reg A Plus has two tiers to it. I'm going to focus on tier two. Tier two allows you to raise up to $50 million from any investor, accredited, unaccredited, sophisticated, whatever. And you do have to get permission from the Securities and Exchange Commission um, and you have to get an audit done. But what it allows you to do is raise money across the country from any investor using general solicitation. So you could go on Facebook and say, hey, we're offering 10% return on investment. Invest today. And that would totally be legal under Reg A+. So that's why a lot of people say do 10 that. You're allowed to say 10%? You're allowed to say anything except for things like guaranteed, low-risk, safe, secure. Okay. Cannot say. Guaranteed. Cannot say. Low-risk. Cannot say secure. 
It, yeah. So a lot of times people say, but it, it is secured. It's secured by real estate. So that is a legal term. And unless you're actually securing a note with the deed of trust that is in the name of the investor um, wow. or some other security instrument, like a UCC one filing or something like that, it's not secured. Okay. Uh, it's, it's simply not true. So you can't, you don't want to be using, I, I just encourage people not to use that word at all, even if it sense. is true. Okay, I love it. So tier two, it allows you up to fifty million from any investor, included, accredited, right. or unaccredited, right. allows you to um, to generally solicit across the country. Right. You could say a return, but you can't say that it's guaranteed. Correct. Uh, what else can you do and can't do on reggae tier two? So you could even do something called testing the waters, which means that you could start almost immediately looking to see if you could find investors for your deal. The difference becomes you can't take their money until such time that you have um, received approval from the Securities Exchange Commission. How long would it take? Like, let's just say I tested the waters on my podcast. Yeah. And I started just say, hey, guys, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then I found out that I could raise millions and millions of dollars for it. And then I want, I'm like, all right, great. I've got a deal coming up. I need to do this. How long would it then take me? Three to six months. Holy so, cow. Yeah. Okay. Because what you have to do is you have to get it done. You have to get the paperwork done. Um, and, and if you're familiar, obviously, with writing a private placement memorandum, but for those of you that are not, a private placement memorandum is, is a document that gives your investors full disclosure. It's what you have to do to be in compliance with any of these securities rules we've spoken about today, Regulation D, uh, 506, whatever. So regulation A has what's called an offering secure circular, which is a bigger private placement memorandum. So that has to be written. You have to get an audit done. And a lot of times I hear, well, what gives, what are they auditing? What's the auditor auditing? Cause we just started this company for the purposes of going out and investing in real estate. They're auditing nothing, but you still have to have that magical piece of paper that says your books were audited. Um, so we have them audit your books and records. And then after we have them audit your books and records, uh, we have to upload to the SEC. And the SEC will take 27 days to get back to us. Um, pretty much exactly 27 days. So they're going to take 27 days. They're going to send us a thing called comments. We're going to look at those comments. We're going to respond to them. And then they could potentially take another 27 days. Most of the time they don't, but they could. They, they could conceivably take another 27 days. So we have to do that back and forth with the Securities Exchange Commission until such time that they say, okay, you've cleared comments, go with God, raise your money. Okay, so um, as far as the audit, let's just pretend like I was testing the waters and I wanted yeah. to have, an, have a company do this. Yep. What company do they audit once we, once we end up doing this? Like, okay, let's say I'm raising money. I work with Blue Spruce Holdings, an apartment investing company, and I'm testing the waters over here. I find out that I want to do it. I find out that I have the ability to do it. I take the six months to go do the 27 days back and forth. And which company are they auditing? Every company I own, is it the specific company that I will use to close those deals or is it Blue Spruce Holdings? No. So we wouldn't have them do Blue Spruce Holdings or any other, you know, company for that matter. We're going to create a brand new okay. LLC or LP, depending on how you want to go. And mm -hmm. then they would audit that one. So, it, you know, I have audits that were done. Literally the company was open on, you know, the 27th of the month and the audits for the 31st of the month. Uh, it, it happens. 
Okay. All right. So when they're auditing, it might not be a, a big deal. It Correct. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Correct. And uh, can we talk about tier one? Out of sure. The, okay. What is that? Tier one, and you actually mentioned Kevin Almosh. Uh, tier one allows you to raise up to $20 million. You don't need to get that audit done. Um, but, and there's a huge but with this, you do have to get approval from the states where you want to raise money. And generally speaking, I don't allow clients to do these types of offerings. It's actually less expensive and less time intensive to just get the audit done than it is to take this offering to states and, and have them review it. Uh, the reason why I let Kevin get away with it, and I truly did let him get away with it, is because he was adamant over the fact that he was only going to be raising money in one or two states and he didn't want to bother with the annual, because another thing is, is that you have to go and get annual audits done if you go under tier two, and okay. he didn't want to have to bother with that. Okay. So I let him get away with doing a tier one. But generally speaking, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to do a tier one, I say, absolutely not. I want no part of that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with the states, their pains. Wow. I th we've got through so much information. Thank you so much. Um, oh, you're welcome. All right. So let's get into the final five, but right after these quick messages. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. All right, Jillian, are you ready for the final five? I am. Number one, what's the most creative real estate deal you've done? Well, I knew this question was coming. So apparently it was a deal I did. I'm going to show everybody this. I got most creative deal award from the, the great Rhea of Greater Cincinnati in 2012. So I'm guessing this was the most creative deal I ever did. Okay. So she actually got an award. I got an award. Showing me a plaque, guys, from 2012 of the most creative deal. And I'm, I'm upset because I want to be the one with the most creative deal. So let's talk about it. What did you do? We did something with a note. We bought a note and then the way we refinanced the note, and I, I am so sorry, I can't remember how we did it, but we refinanced the note in a way that made it so that the homeowner could stay in the house. We still, um, we got other things from the homeowner for the purposes of refinancing it to a sweet, sweet deal for them. Like we cross collateralized it with another property that the the homeowner owned and they really wanted to keep the the home and uh and that's and that's what we did i am so sorry i don't know more detail or remember more details it was six years ago and i've done lots of creative deals since <laughs> i love it i love it all right perfect so how about a book what's a book that you'd recommend to the audience um Including oh man your own. uh other than my own yeah including your own don't you yeah. have one that came out already right I have, I have one called The Crowdfunding Myth that you can get on Amazon. It's a cheap little $150, $150-page, $10 read. Um, it will really, it's a nice little summary of all the laws and how to crowdfund your deals. Um, and then I have another one coming out, Private Money Rockstar. It will be out in about 10 weeks. Um, okay. So you can what, check those what, out. What's the date that you think that uh, Private Money Rockstar will be coming out? 
I'm hoping it's going to come out around June 15th. Okay. So, okay. So this yeah. podcast will probably already be aired. So yeah. Private Money Rockstars is available. Uh, <laughs> so Jillian's probably going to remember to send me a link to how you guys can find that and I'll have it in the show notes. Absolutely. Perfect. And the, uh, thank you so much. Um, but the book, you know what? I was just recommending this book to somebody last night and uh, a lot of you out there are going to laugh. But it's how it's the old Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I love uh, that. Book. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good one. How to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And then we'll put yours in there as well. And then Jillian, where were you five years ago? And where will you be five years from today? Uh, five years ago, I had two kids. And five years from today, I'll have three kids because that's what I currently have. <laughs> so you're done. Oh, I was done after two kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, you know, where I was five years ago, I was, I was doing this, what I'm hope, what I didn't do as many deals. What I'm hoping for in five years from now is that I'm going to have done more deals because although I love practicing law, I love helping clients and I have a great firm, a great staff, I, have to, I am still trading my time for money. And so my goal is to also have done more deals uh, five years from now and have a little more freedom in terms of time so that I can be volunteering at my kid's school and, and things like that. Perfect. More freedom of time to volunteer. I love exactly. that. All right. So how do you give back then? It sounds like one of the ways is to volunteer at the schools. Is there another thing you wanted to share? So I, as a matter of fact, I really want to encourage everybody to go to privatemoneyrockstar.com and check that out. We have, right now, I don't have anything for sale on there. I have just free webinars, but I want, if you would be so kind as to subscribe to the newsletter, because what we're going to have is we're going to have this home study course and book coming out. And the only reason why I'm plugging this is because the proceeds, uh, an overwhelming majority of the proceeds from that are going to go to build a uh, facility and to finance the staff for a, a, a facility in Africa that helps get human trafficking victims off of the street, children right. and women who are in human trafficking situations and getting them pulled off the street. I've been supporting a, a a cause called Project Purpose International um, for the last couple of years, and I hope to continue to to support that with this this new product I'm coming out with. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. I am making the making the notes now. Women off the street. I love it, and I appreciate you sharing. How do people get a hold of you, Jillian Sedoti, if they want to reach out to you, uh, get some? education and uh, hopefully do some PPMs with you. Yeah, no, that'd be great. And I, okay, so if you need some legal help and legal work and you want to know more about the law, just go to crowdfundinglawyers.com. You can make an appointment with me right there on this page. Our, our phone number's there, but just in case, it's 323-799-1342. And all of our information's right there, crowdfundinglawyers.com. And uh, take all the free information you want from there, please. Thank you, Jillian. You've added a ton of value to the listeners. Really appreciate it. And until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside. 
the box.